uh, I think when you're outdoors and you provide an experience for people, I don't do the education, right? I, you know, we can say I facilitate, I mean, that's a word, but honestly, you know, I think the lived experiences, you know, of, of sometimes walking to the top of a mountain or, you know, cooking dinner after a long, long day, that's the learning, right? It's like, that's it. So I think the environment itself is the power. Hey, welcome to Rec Reflect. Today we have Danny Twilley. He is the Assistant Dean at the Brad and Alice Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative at West Virginia University. Daniel tells us some of his stories of how cultural immersion and getting out their world has helped his teaching style and help his students grow as professionals. We also discuss about his personal philosophy of following passions and living with a purpose. Hope you all enjoy the episode. What's up, Danny? You are muted right now. Third time is a charm. D- yes. Awesome. Hey, uh, those pictures, uh, what are behind you? So these are from, this is from Costa Rica. So, and then this is also from Costa Rica. This oh, is okay. a waterfall up. Uh, and then um, I, uh, I used to take students there for seven years to do like, kind of off the beaten path ecotourism work. Oh man, that's so uh so did you run any when you were did you build that? Like hey, this is an opportunity and coursework that I want to build for students. Like that was completely new on your end. Yeah, what, yeah. So what I, did it look did, like to build it? So we did it around um it was called uh it was it was kind of part of our ecotourism certificate program um okay. that I, I used to lead. Um but uh it, it was built out of kind of a capstone experience where we would, um, but it was open to the entire university. So anyone could join, it didn't matter. And really we would do, um, it was it, it was 10 to 12 days, depending on the year and the, and the schedule. But we would we would go to like one of the, the, the major whitewater rivers that kind of helped launch Costa Rica. Um, then we would go to a coffee and do kind of a eco tour co- coffee co-op and, and understand interpretation. We would then do um, homestays and kind of, uh, we, I mean, we would backpack through the middle of the rainforest to like a places where the only way you could get to was through helicopter motorcycle and barely a motorcycle or hiking and then a horse that was it those were like the three ways you could get there and then we would go to the beach and and do some of that as well and try to understand um and then we worked with a a family-owned company um who'd been doing this for about 20 years and really kind of talk about kind of that infusion and what this means and how the communities have changed and and then we would talk about mass tourism as well so we try to give the whole context and we'd read a bunch of articles. And so I built out the curriculum for quite some time. And so uh, does that look different in terms of like the learning outcomes for the students when they understand more, maybe uh, an authentic tourist experience rather than mass, but mass tourism is not inauthentic. It's just maybe a little more pre-built. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how we would start the whole thing was that most of us have gone through a mass tourism experience. So let's just start there. Right. And we would discuss what those were. You know, we'd ask if people had gone to any of the resorts in Mexico, right? And we, you know, or, or, or the Bahamas or, you know, more of like the Sandals-esque. And we would talk about that, what that experience was like. And then throughout, we would do comparison, right? And we would even read art, a few articles about mass tourism. 
And then we would compare it to the, the lived experience that they were going through. And then we were reading articles along the way about like land conservation and protection. We lead about ecotourism development. We'd be reading articles and discussing that. And then we would talk with the locals, like our guides, the homestays, and we'd ask them, how has this changed and how has it benefited? And then, um, and so that's how we would try to contextualize it along the way. Wow, that's so interesting. So uh, ha- what has been your, is that one of your favorite trips that you've taken as a faculty member? Yeah, Pre, so that pre-deaned. Yeah, so the, really, what that helped me do is like understand. And I'd been I'd gone to Costa Rica in the late nineties, right, and in early two thousand. So I'd been there before, um, and so I, I knew, knew the country well, and I used it as one of like the the the, um, the context of like this is the power of positive ecotourism because they really re. I mean, they there's some political reasons why as well, um, and and uh, but. They're one of the most advanced countries in the Central America and in the Americas. I mean, they have a 97% literacy rate. It, it goes between 95 and 97. And that's more than the US. So anyway, uh, but that gave me the context. So I took students to the Balkans uh, for, uh, for about four years. And we would go to Montenegro, Kosovo, and Albania. And we'd go there for three weeks. And we would look at transboundary environmental cooperation and peace building conservation and ecotourism. And so we looked at that in kind of an emerging part. So they're about 40 years behind where Costa Rica is, and they want to become a Costa Rica using their natural assets, but they're dealing with uh, post-conflict, post-communism, post-Russian invasion work. I think that's something also we have in common, uh, Danny, is that both Will and I like to travel with our families. Uh, Not Mm. for me, not overseas. Uh, one of the things that we do is we uh, we have a goal as a family to go to all 50 states and to as many national parks as possible. So oh, great. Uh, we last well, not last summer, but two summers ago, we hit six different states and five different national parks. And man, if I could redo that that whole week and a half, I would. Well. Um, Danny, welcome to the podcast. We're so uh, thankful that you take time out of your busy day, and we'll get to why you're so busy here in a minute. But um, have you recorded or have you done your presentation, your fireside chat yet? I did. I did it yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Highly recommend for everybody that uh, that has access to the Traps Institute and virtual. Go back and listen to it if you have a chance. Um, so, okay. so Danny, uh, I wonder if you could just tell us uh, a little bit about your position and in broad strokes about what you're doing right now in recreation. Yeah. So um, first, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here um, and, and be able to share just a little bit of my journey and my story and the work that I get to do on behalf of uh, West Virginia and West Virginia University. So just over a year ago, I, I accepted a position as the assistant dean for the uh, at the time it was the Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative, and I think it's important to recognize when I started, it didn't even have a name. So you know, part of this was building this from the ground up. It didn't exist, um, and I worked with a, a great leader, visionary, and Greg Corio, um, and we really helped kind of create the name. Um, and so, you know, I started there, um, you know, within the first six months, and we can talk more about it is, you know, we, we had the great support and vision of, of Lee Smith, 
And now it's known as the Brad and Elise Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative. And really our whole goal is to fulfill the land grant mission of WVU. Um, and that is to help you know, uh, advance the state forward in a positive way. And so how we feel that we can do that is through our uh, outdoor recreation assets. And so my, my work um, in, a, so my, in a broad stroke, my, my work is to leverage uh, the institution's intellectual and social capital um, to utilize and leverage outdoor recreation to advance the state um, for prosperity. That's my work. Nice. V very succinctly put, but Herculean task. Uh -huh. I imagine that's uh, pretty daunting that you're like, you're, uh, you're, you're given such a large uh, role and the amount of uh, influence and the monies. This is, it would make me nervous, but um, uh, I would like to talk to you about first, because uh, I want to transition a little bit into something else so that we can get back into what we just talked about. What got okay. you into recreation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, I was, I, I was, you know, young, I, you know, I, before Gardner's multiple intelligences, right, really, you know, kind of anchored itself. Um, I really was a physical, right? I, my, my third grade teacher told my mom one time, if I put as much energy into the classroom as I do on the playground, I'd be a straight A student, <laughs> you know, and it's just true. Like I had a lot of energy. I still do. Um, I'm a motor learner. That's how I understand the world. And so I, I was, you know, like a lot of people, a ball and stick athlete. Um, and, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up in a very beautiful part of the country on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, and uh, I grew up near the beach. And so I would spend uh, uh, days splashing in the ocean. Um, some people would call it surfing. I would call it trying to surf. Uh, but that really kind of connected me to kind of nature and the power and the awe of, of nature. You know, I was very fortunate to have a good group of friends. We spent many, many a day on Assateague Island, National Seashore. Um, and uh, that just really connected me. And then I, uh, you know, I, I started college. I was going down the physical education path. And for me, you know, and that's a great journey, but it wasn't meant for me because I did not foresee myself being an educator in that way. But I kind of knew pretty early on I wanted to be an educator. And I had uh, two tremendous mentors um, and, and uh, Bud Elsie and Harlan Eagle, um, who kind of showed me a different way to be an educator. And that was through challenge course programming. So that's where I started was in, in terms of what we would could call today traditional kind of outdoor experiential education. And that really just set my journey off in understanding that there's multiple ways to be an educator. And, you know, for me, there was many times, as, as many of us, there was many potential off ramps for me to not be, you know, be where I am today. Um, but really what it came down to is recreation and sport changed my life. It is the reason that I am, I, I am able to do the work I am today. It helped define me. And I really wanted to make sure that that was an important part of our community and society. I would like to say it was that conscious, um, but as you know, it becomes through a reflective experience, you're able to put that type of journey in context. And that's what I'm able to do today. So that's why, I'm, that's how I, I got into recreation. That's why I still am in recreation. I, I firmly believe education is a fundamental um, right uh, that we can that it can help change people in place, um, and you know, and, and we can do that through access, and that's access to recreational facilities, and that's also access to knowledge and programming. And so that's that's the work I try to do. 
or I've tried to do over my career. That's right. Yeah. So go, go ahead, Will. Sorry. No, I was going to say that this kind of relates to some, some, some conversations we had in a previous podcast we did recently with uh, Dr. Brown and Tom Norquist from Playcor um, about being outdoors and learning outdoors. So I want to know, Danny, what's the, uh, what's the best outdoors? It doesn't have to be outdoors. What's the coolest setting you've taught somebody in? Like you can say, like, I educated someone in this outdoor setting. What was that experience like? Tell me about that. Well, I, I, I think I'm going to um, kind of uh, not fully deflect, even though it might sound like it, um, but I want to put it is honestly, uh, I think when you're outdoors and you provide an experience for people, I don't do the education, right? I, you know, we can say I facilitate, I mean, that's a word, but honestly, you know, I think the lived experiences, you know, of, of sometimes walking to the top of a mountain or, you know, cooking dinner after a long, long day, that's the learning, right? It's like, that's it. So I think the environment itself is the power, you know, and, 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 and to be more direct, Will, you know, I think some of the work that I've been able to do in Costa Rica and the Balkans, um, you know, I always say it is more about the travel than it is about the, the topic. Um, and so I could be talking about almost anything to them, but that cultural immersion whether that is cultural immersion, uh, exposing to different cultures in the U.S., but particularly for, um, uh, foreign cultures, um, that is just powerful, right? I always, and, and this is something we did in Costa Rica, uh, is that when they got off the plane, we'd all travel from separate places, we'd get there, and I would tell them, I said, you've got to go pick your bags up, and you've got to work your way, and we'll meet you outside the airport. For some people, that's a really intimidating thing if they've never traveled internationally or traveled without you know, parents and things like that. And, and, but part of me is like, that is such a powerful experience and say, no, you're good. We got you. You just got get yourself out there and you'll see us. And so um, that, that travel, um, that cultural immersion is might be the, some of the most powerful um, uh, environments I've ever been fortunate to be a part of. Nice. So uh, Danny, so your, uh, what I'm hearing is a lot of, uh, uh, great aspects of like your maybe uh, your leadership philosophy of uh, what you've cultivated and what you believe in recreation. I want to know how did your experience as a, a professor, as an as a, an instructor at Ohio, how did that inform you of how you lead now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I've always struggled with like how you define yourself as a leader. Like <laughs> I, I, you know, I. I don't know. Right. I, you know, I, I think, you know, we could call it situational. I mean, we could put all types of it, but, you know, I, I really try to come at, at projects and places. Um, and it would be interesting if you ask my students that same question um, is I, you know, my students would tell me um, that I demand a lot from them. Sometimes I was very critical, um, but they always said that they knew that I believed in them and I cared. Like they always said in your passion, they always talked about, Danny, you're just so passionate about it. Um, and, um, and I think I, I've always tried to come at things in a good faith effort. Um, you know, I, I don't try to do things, you know, uh, I, I try to think of myself of, for the greater good. And, you know, sometimes that comes in the form of, you know, pushing students in, in ways that they might not realize that they're capable of. Um, sometimes that's, you know, being compassionate and, and guess what? I'm fallible. Like I've messed it up. Sometimes I should have been compassionate and I pushed them. And sometimes I should have pushed them and I was compassionate. 
you know, uh, you, you, you just try to do things in a good faith effort and, and come, at, come to the table in an authentic way. And I, I think I've always tried to do that. And I think I've always tried to let my passion be the lead for me, like is that I care about people in place. And I hope that, you know, at the end of my, my professional career um, is that that's, that's part of what people will, 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 will think about and saying, you know, whether they liked it, whether they didn't, is that he always, he, he led with his passion and he always tried to do the best he could. I don't know if that answered your question, Jordan, but you know. It's sounding um, good, that's for sure. I, I feel like there's there's no one right way to answer it. Just like, yeah. what is your what is yours? Because there's some people that they have, hey, let me pull out, I have a page, a written statement about my leadership philosophy, but um, I feel you had a, a lot of things about maybe purpose-driven, um, high oh. demand, uh, authenticity on your end, uh, believe in others. Like I'm hearing a lot of great leadership characteristics. Yeah. You know, when I think about, um, I, I, I talk about it, you know, uh, quite a bit, I, I'm fueled by passion and driven by purpose. Like that's, that's it. Um, and that's part of, you know, and I think we'll get back to it is when you said that sounds big and I'm like, well, that's purpose driven, right? I'm willing to, I'm willing to try and I'm willing to fail, um, you know, and, and that's okay. I mean, I, I, I'm probably defined more by my failures than I am by my successes because I learned from those. Um, that's, that's what I do. Okay. So yeah, yeah. go ahead, Will. No, I'm, I'm, I'm curious a little bit more about um, some of the things we touched on earlier, Danny, about um, you, you said the travel is such an important learning tool for your students. And, and I'm sure for you, you've learned a lot too. Um, and, and, you know, things are changing in parks and recreation and we're trying to, uh, I believe, I think most departments are trying to merge themselves more into different cultures. So what are some things that you and your students have picked up when you've done that cultural immersion, some things that you've learned that we could bring back here as professionals uh, to move forward a little bit? Yeah, I, I think for me is the um, is really trying to understand what you know. Your your truth is not everyone's truth, right? And I think that's, you know, my lived experience is my lived experience. But someone across the table, you know, Jordan, Will, your lived experiences are yours. And and, and we're defined by our, by many, many things, right? My, my roots of where I grew up, my grandparents, my parents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, that, that helps define my truth. But that, that doesn't mean that I have the ability to speak, you know, for, for all, you know, um, you know, all of one group of people. So, you know, I think recognizing the individuality is so, so important, but then also recognizing cultural context um, is, is important. And so um, really coming to the table and saying my lived experience should not be the defining way in which we do something because someone, you know, another group, another individual has a, a different lived experience. And I think um, that's the power of whether it's travel to another part of the country or another part of the world. So I hear uh, when you talk about like uh, uh, appreciating other people's lived experiences, I want to ask you some questions about uh, how to develop those collaborative relationships as you're as the assistant dean and trying to leverage because the age-old trope of there are the educators and their ivory white towers and then the people who are doing like there's the split between them um do you find that that's the case is there a big split between education and the ones doing 
Um, you know, I, I think, again, I'm going to push uh, push on that a little bit is I, I think it's it's a matter of the individual, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we all know that there are those that live in the ivory tower. And guess what? We've probably been those people. Uh, people have probably had that perception of us, right? And we might not have that perception of ourselves. And then others, you know, who who say, well, no, they don't live in the ivory tower enough. They're, they're two on the ground. So I don't think I can say, you know, it is or it is not. I think it's so relative. But what I do know is this, is, um, you know, as part of the faculty mantra and even part of our work today as an institution of higher education, um, you know, in universities, is we kind of base it off this idea of teaching, research, and service, right? Um, and I, I, you know, all of them have their merits in such deep way. And I think, you know, for me, it's allowing those individuals who are thriving researchers to be thriving researchers. And then how do we take their brilliance and their successes and translate that into usable, tangible work, right? And and oftentimes we try to do that through teaching and service, right? Oftentimes then we try to use our teaching to drive our research and our service, you know, and getting to those, you know, students infused into, you know, to real tangible projects. But for me, you know, I've I've always really been driven by that idea of service. I I think, you know, serving the community, serving, you know, the the profession, um, serving our communities is is just a really important part of our work, right? And, And we can talk about the merits of how it's been rewarded, percentage breakdowns and all that. But I think, you know, that my favorite people that I've been able to work with um, in higher education, at least, merge those three in such a brilliant way. Um, And at times I've been able to do it, but not as much as I would like. Um, But I think those that's the trifecta of, success, of what I would consider success is why we, we when we can do that as as uh, as faculty. So knowing that what what you've just said and like, hey, we've got to appreciate everybody. How in your position, how do you start building collaborative partnerships and relationships? Yeah, so I, I, I come at this with the approach of um, uh, creating the table of the willing. And so what I mean by that is you create an, uh, an idea, vision, or, or, or whatever, a project, and you, inv- you, you provide the, the offer. Hey, you know, I think that you have a skill set that would be really good with, for this, right? And you have to set the vision. And, and this is something that, that, that we try to do very, uh, here is use data to tell a story. And so you've got to get people hooked on the story. What is it you're trying to accomplish, right? I just shared with you at the very beginning, this big, broad, lofty vision. Um, Okay, how do we do that? And so we've created presentations and storytelling using data to do that. And and then we say, well, this is how we think your skill set can help us do that. I mean, and, and guess what? It might not be the right reason, the season, you know, for someone to do it, but we want to make sure that even if they can't help, you know, want to be part of it today for whatever reason, is that well, hey, the door's still open for you to come back when you're ready. But our job is to make sure that they understand that what the opportunity is, and I think that's what we try to do is help people say this is the opportunity, and we could use your help. Um, and you know, and, and I think it's one of the most brilliant things we did here as part of our work is create that idea of a collaborative, right? That name and that part is has become the fundamental and foundation of our of our office, um, but also the driver of how we approach things. Um, is we've got a lot of great experts. We've got people who have been doing this work in the state for a long, long time. Some 
great nonprofit leaders, some great EDAs, some great state leaders, some great, you know, land managers. I mean, we, we have these. I, I say we're standing on the shoulder of giants. There's people been doing this work for a long time. So there's no need to pretend that we're able, we're going to come in and, and figure it out. It's like, no, what have you done and how can we help? And so our work on a daily basis is that we think about how do we um, support and empower uh, uh, communities and people. And some days we, do, we, I think we'd probably do it better than others, but we, that's our starting point. That's what we try to do. Oh, damn. And got a little goosebumps right now. So I know that this is coming <laughs> off as like, this will come off as audio, but like, it's really encouraging to hear someone in a higher administrative, higher education administration to talk so passionately about purpose and, uh, and authenticity. Um, but I want to ask, because earlier you, uh, you mentioned that you, you learn more through mistakes. That's how you measure yourself. What's been the biggest, the biggest L you've ever had to take that you're willing to share and what'd you learn from it? <laughs> well, I don't think, you know, and, and I want to be, be sure is, I, I don't think, I mean, sure. I could, you know, talk about some of the big, you know, mistakes that we've had, but I don't think that's where the learning true happens because. Um, I think it's it's a combination of those little mistakes along the way that you catch, right? And then you transition and you, you, you take those little mistakes and you move those into uh, learning opportunities. And so that's really what I talk about is learning from my mistakes is that as I make them is we start pivoting from those um, and start, you know, doing it more of a parallel and that, and we call it like an endless feedback circle, right? That, that idea, but is as we make them is, is reflection. And I think that's what we really do well as outdoor educators and experiential educators is we do a lot of debriefing, both you know, self and a group and sit there and say, man, what could we have done better? Okay, well, how do we fix it? Let's try that and let's experiment with that. Okay, that was better. Okay, great. Is this where we want to go? And so I think it's this continuous thing that that have happened. I mean, I've fallen in, in front of all my face doing presentations that I've prepared for. Um, and then you just pick yourself back up and you say, well, what can I learn and, and improve on next time? So I think it's continual, not a big thing. So if it's a big thing, um, then you probably missed a lot of those little things along the way. What about um, that? the, you know, you have your, your students and we talked about earlier, like, Jordan talking about the profession, the, the educational side versus the professional side, not versus, I shouldn't say, but, you know, marrying those two groups together, right? And what are you trying to get your students? What's that lesson you want them to take? If you can give them one lesson to take away to get them ready for that professional world, to go out there, complete these projects, be a part of this professional world. What are you really striving for there? With those guys yeah well you know uh i i still will i'll be back in the classroom hopefully this fall this is the first year and a half in 14 years that i haven't been with students um but i i will hopefully be back in the classroom this fall um but really i i think whether it's it's me myself whether it's my students those that i work with i think that i think it's important to start with this idea of like i don't need to know everything and probably the best projects i've been a part of are where i started with knowing very very little so being understanding that and starting that, because I think oftentimes as faculty and higher ed, we, we're, we're, oh, experts, right? This idea of expertise and, and we have to stay in that lane. Well, I don't think so. I think we've got a great skill set that allows us to go abroad. And so saying, look, I don't know about that, but this is what I do know. And this is the skill set that I could potentially bring to the table. So starting there, starting with your own, own like lack of knowledge and ignorance. Um, but I think even more so what I try to instill this idea of solve the yes. 
there are so many reasons not to do something or there's so many reasons to say, no, it's not my lane. It's not part of what I'm supposed to do. It's not part of our mission. But if it's a just cause, if it's a good outcome and, you know, don't let, oh, well, we, we have to solve this, this and this before we can do that. Well, you know what? Let's let's solve the yes. If the outcome, if we fundamentally believe that outcome is is a greater good and can have the impact that we want, even if it will ha- even if it will come out to be a different impact than what we were expecting, that's most of the time what happens. Um, is saying, okay, let's solve all these potential obstacles along the way. So solve the yes. Like start with something that's great, that's grandiose, that that we believe in at our core of who we are. Um, and then let's let's work let's work the process. Let's bring our programmatic skills as recreation professionals to the table, but then continue to work through until we, we get to the outcome that maybe we thought we were going to get or a different one. But as long as it's impactful and it's meaningful, we're, we'll, it's still a good project. It's still good work. Mm-hmm. What is, nice. uh, so we've talked about the you've kind of given us a glimpse of some of the places you've been to, like Costa Rica and the Balkans. Uh, do you have an idea of where you want to go next, kind of the next place you want to get out there and, and check out? No, I mean, my work is focused here in West Virginia. I mean, that's where I'm going to be. Um, that's where I want to be. Um, and so, you know, this state has held a, a deep, deep uh, place in my heart for such a long time. I lived uh, about 30 minutes from it for about 14 years in Southeast Ohio. And so now, and I've been coming here for 20 years recreating. And, and, and so now I, this is where my work will focus um, for, for quite some time. I mean, it doesn't mean I won't go to other places throughout the country and learn post-COVID, um, but you know, my role and my, my, my drive now is to figure out how can I take um, and you know, learn from others in other places and how do I adapt those lessons and those experiences to, to advance West Virginia forward through its outdoor recreation assets, right? Nice. Very nice. Danny, we are, we are running up on our time limit. So we have a few questions that across the board, we like to ask every guest. Um, yeah. Will, music? Yeah, well, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna throw us a curveball here too, Jordan. Ooh, I, I, we talked a little bit yesterday with, uh, again, some previous podcasts, which we said yesterday, but um, I, I liked a question we had there yesterday. I think we should have this one for everyone. Um, Danny, how do you play? How do you play? What's your favorite way to play? What does an ideal day of play look like for you? Oh man, I'm a serial recreationalist. <laughs> like I'll just start there. So you know, I love to spend time on a bike, a mountain bike, particularly. I I, I love the whitewater kayak. That was one of the big drivers to come here and spend time in water again. Um, and now that we're we're back in West Virginia, I think my family and I will spend more time climbing as well. Um, so you know, those would be kind of my big big three. Uh, those are the way that that I like to play, and my family likes to play. Yeah, and then the other one, yeah, there you go. And the other one, we kind of hit it out with Jordan again. If you've heard some of the previous podcasts, is we need to know your walk-up song. What's your walk-up song when you're getting hyped to go out there? You either teach or you're on a mountain bike ride. What's what's that song that gets you hyped up, ready to go? Oh my gosh! Well, it's better than the guilty pleasure song, so I don't have to fully embarrass myself. On we can change the question if um, we need to. So my my favorite, and I, I never want to hear it when I drive, is Rebel Yell. Uh, because <laughs> when I hear that, like the gas pedal just starts going. I mean, that song is just, man, talk about some energy. Yeah, nice. That's Billy Idol, correct? It is. It is. Oh, yes. 
Awesome. Well, Danny, thank you so much for taking uh, your your precious time and and talking with the the podcast. We, we will and I. So, um, last word. I like to give the guests the last word. If you had ten seconds, fifteen seconds to talk to all recreation professionals at all levels in the United States, what is something that you would want them to hear? We are. I, I would you. say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, follow your passion and, 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 and go towards purpose. Um, and everything else will fall in line. If you can do that and it doesn't have to be done overnight, but let that be your driving force. Um, that's how recreation will, will continue to move the world uh, by moving people and moving communities. That's our power. Wow. Another time. Goosebumps. Danny, <laughs> great job today. Thank you so much for your time. And we're out. Well, I appreciate you both. Thanks for all you do.